The Space God Memoirs. Season 2, Episode 22 The air was crisp and wet, cool upon my skin. My feet pounded on the stony pathway, step after hurried step. Ahead of me, the trail curved upward, clinging to the side of a blue-gray stone mountainside. Meters away, it broke into a straight drop, plummeting into swirling white clouds. Beyond rose the peaks of stony mountains, capped in snow, their upper reaches ringed in clouds. It looked and even felt pretty real for a simulated environment. I wasn't on some mountainous planet, of course, but on the good old Amatherium. Just ahead, Jabir peered back at me, a grin on his toothy face. Catch me if you can, initiate! His thoughts vibrated in my mind. Then he turned and ran, his orange and yellow form blurring as he sped up the mountain trail. That scragger was fast. Super speed was one of his latent talents, just like going stealthy was mine. And I had to catch his scaly ass. But I suppose that was part of the lesson. Just like before, this one was all about the Atra, learning to direct it to bolster my body's movements, like a proper Nyar. That, I guessed, was the thing separating us awakened ones from those poor farm world yugs. We could do magic, of course. I broke into a run, quickening my pace as I dashed after Jabir, who was already barely within sight. As I did so, I let out a breath and visualized the Atra going with it. The charged particles departed my lungs and surged into my extremities. I allowed the Atra to flow into my legs and willed it to remain there, just as I had been taught before. As I ran, I visualized it entering my cells, strengthening them. At the same time, I created a membrane of it around my lower body, an invisible field of gravitational force that would push against the ground when I moved, that would allow me to jump farther and move faster. Then I let it go. Let it be. It was a program, interacting with my body and the reality around it. It was in the monad, in the universe. It didn't need my micromanagement. The air whistled past me as I rushed ahead, seeing the trail zip underfoot, my steps lighter, my body moving as if a strong gust were pushing me forward. Upward and onward I ran, the mountainous scenery passing by in seconds. I continued to follow Jabir, seeing his presence as an orange blur near the mountain's summit. An instant later, the trail turned wide, and I arrived at the peak. The top of the mountain was a flat plain of stone. From up here I could see in every direction, the horizon ringed by rocky mountains, Enormous titans whose summits scraped the stormy skies above. Some of those mountain faces had been carved into heads. The stoic faces of ancient Nyar who watched over this world. All of it was awash in gentle blue light. I took a breather, admiring the scenery. Whatever world this sim was modeled on must have been a scrag and beautiful place. I wondered briefly how the sim room could even replicate all this terrain. 
Was I really running around in some white room? Or was this mostly in my head? And where was Shabir? I spotted an orange dot upon the slope of a distant mountain. It appeared to be miles away, and whatever land linked the two mountains lay far below the churning cloud mass I could see. A line of small rock formations peeked their tops out of the cloud blanket, leading from where I stood to where Jabir waited. As I got closer, I could see that most of the little rock islands were small, only a few feet in diameter. The closest one was about six feet away, and each subsequent one looked between four and twelve feet apart. I got to the very edge of the cliffside and stopped, gazing out over the cloudscape ahead and the precarious trail of rocks that was my only way forward. My pause was only habit. The old me would have been scragged up about this, and I did not feel even a hint of nervousness as I prepared to make a series of utterly insane jumps. Once more, I put the focus on the Atra, on enhancing its presence in my lower legs, my feet, but also making sure the feel that generated around my body was steady and balanced. Then, I jumped. The air pushed back my hair, cold on my face as I bounded forward, my body feeling as light as a flarn in flight. For an instant, I looked down at the swirling clouds underfoot, imagining a drop of over 200 feet. Then I focused my gaze forward for the rapidly approaching stone island jutting up. I landed on my feet, the atra field in the front of my body stabilizing me so I didn't plummet off the other end from the inertia. Woo! I shouted out, my voice echoing across the grand scenery. Then the next stone, five feet, four inches away, said the measuring tool built into my monad-connected mind. Easy peasy Kino Bino. I made the jump and landed clear on the middle, with barely enough room for my two feet to stand. The next was just as simple. I bounded between stone and stone, leaping across the empty gaps. While my body registered brief hints of vertigo, my mind did not even feel a hint of nervousness as I jumped lengths that would have sent a normal person falling to their doom. A part of it I knew were the other lifetimes. Those folks, Yella, Garvel, Janessa, had all been me. They had all faced things that Kef would never consider dealing with. From city-smashing robots to the all-terrifying ordeal of childbirth. They had lived and they had died. Or rather, I had lived and died. And they were all in me now. Part of my past. Part of my psyche. Integrated. Unlike Rayleigh, Burge, or Bikibra, who still lingered on the edges of my consciousness. Those past lives were just me. As I leapt along, I didn't feel fear, but rather excitement. As my mind's instinctive dread of falling and dying was just gone replaced by the joy of hurtling through the air on a blanket of unseen energy. Yeah, this was just a simulation, but even if it had been real, I wasn't sure what death meant anymore. Was it something worth fearing? Would I truly be gone if I died as one of the Nyar? One of the Awakened? Or would I just come back like before, in some form or another? Cool air whipped through my hair, invigorating my senses, as I coasted across the chasm between mountains, leaping from stone to stone, alive and utterly empowered. Then I saw it, the final jump in the series. Next was the mountainside, a sheer cliff that stood nearly 20 feet away. Scrag it. I took the leap, hurling my body from the stony pillar and towards the distant cliff. The air was at my back. I focused on that, 
using my atra to push me along, a tingle throughout my muscles and a distinctive lift from below. It was nearly like flying, the wind zipping around me, my arms raised at my sides, the sheer mountainside getting closer by the instant, but not close enough. I was still more than ten feet away, and I could already feel my body sinking, gravity pulling it down. No, I pushed harder, wheeling more and more Atra to spin around me. I visualized it like a giant hand at my back, lifting me by the hips and carrying me forward. Then I commanded it to do just that. Milliseconds later, the cliff zoomed towards me. I reached my arms above, hands grasping for its rim. They found it, the sharp rocks digging into my palms. I steadied myself as my body rammed against the cliffside, barely maintaining my grip as rocks and dirt plummeted down. <sighs> I took a gasp of air, pulling my body up and onto the stony mountaintop. I was lightheaded, sweat covering me, chill in the freezing air. My atra levels were nearly depleted. Definitely not enough left for another series of mega jumps, or even to fight with, but enough so I wouldn't pass out. I could see that I was near the top of another mountain peak. Up ahead, a slightly ascending trail led between two rocky clefts. I followed it, squeezing through the tight gap between stones. On the other side, the trail continued to slope gradually upward, before ending at a pointed ridge. My eyes were immediately drawn to the next mountain over. Looking down upon the scene, its entirety molded from the grand visages of twin women, their two heads merged at the back, wearing a single headdress. At the edge of the ridge, a handful of yards away from me, stood the rather surprising form of a tree, the only plant I'd seen in this entirely simulated place. Its limbs spreading outward in a fan-like pattern, the tree had a sparsity of pale green leaves, with its roots cradled around the rocky slopes of the mountain. At the foot of the tree sat Jabir, his orange and yellow scales in contrast to the brown and gray tones of the scenery. Ah, you made it after all, he said, waving a taloned hand at me. Come forward. I approached, still winded and weary from my jump test. Opposite Jabir, a medium-sized rock was placed, looking perfectly suited to sit upon. I did just that, now facing Jabir, whose tail was wound around the tree's trunk. A triumph, he exclaimed, his head crest expanding out as he spoke. Your lessons progress steadily, Kef. Your skills with the Atra are expanding, and I think even your formerly poor focus is showing signs of improvement. How do you feel today's test went? Eh, it was mostly fine. Ran into a couple tense moments, but overall I'm feeling pretty good about it. This Atra stuff, that is. I mean, a year ago I might have scoffed at the idea of using some kind of metaphysical particle to magic myself up and get superpowers, but lately it's been fun. Feels almost natural. Ah, it is natural, Initiate. Jabir nodded his head. The Ultra is present in all things. It is what underlies physicality, powers the seen universe. These abilities are our natural right. Using them is the normal and proper way of things among the awakened. Life on a farm world, where you are shut off from your true self, bereft of energy and power, that is the aberration. Yeah, I'm starting to see what you mean. Just been getting used to all this. The Atra, starships, and all that past life craziness I went through. What you experienced in your journeys is something we all must face. 
we are more than merely our bodies. We have all lived countless lives, you, me, and the others. We have been men, women, and more. Murderers and victims, lovers and fighters. Merent the Warcaster, whose teachings began the Nyar tradition, taught that we are souls, beings of pure awareness. The various bodies we wear are mere expressions of our true selves. How far back does it go? I asked. I felt a tingle throughout my body. My eyes were briefly pulled away from Jabir, into those twin faces carved into the mountainside, their titanic gazes meeting my own. Theoretically, forever, answered Jabir, shrugging his shoulders. But it is difficult to know for certain. The old philosophies say that our true selves are immortal, eternal. That we have always been and always will be. But of course that is mere speculation. Between certain lifetimes there is a forgetting that occurs. A wiping of memories. Yeah, those lives I went back to. I was seeing them in reverse order. From the present to the past. The last life I saw was just before what the Reuvens call the Retribution. But before that it's... weird. Like I know there was something. I was someone. And it was big. Important. I came to Aruvus for a reason, but I just can't scrag and remember the details. Ah, that would be the farm world's veiling system. Aruvus is outfitted with a program to wipe the memories of anyone who is born upon it, as many farm worlds are. It is designed to keep the inhabitants in a cycle, where they live, produce Atra from their beliefs and emotions, then die experience a brief afterlife, and come back into the cycle to do it again. If Atra producers could recall the vastness of their true selves, their real identities, they would not be so content to keep doing it. That's a bunch of dug-a-crap. People are treated like livestock. Jabir shrugged. The universe contains far greater tyranny than Anaruvis. The Veyer control entire star systems powered by cruelty. Planets that would make your homeworld look like a paradise. Places of continuous torture, struggle, and strife. He let loose a throaty growl from deep in his gullet. So, before Ruvis, it's all lost to me? Not permanently. The memory of those lifetimes may be lost to your local self, yes. But the record of them likely exists within the monadic network accessible among the endless files of the universal mind. And I can get them back? Not easily. Not now. Forgotten memories are stored deep within the framework of the monad, and while you may catch glimpses of them in your current state, most will require a higher level of access than you currently possess. What's that mean? Higher access levels? Heh. <laughs> the Nair would not allow simple initiates access to the monad in full. Such would be a recipe for disaster, granting novices information that would cause more harm than good. Advance among the Nair, prove your virtues, and you'll be granted further access to the monad. Ugh, figures. Nothing is ever easy with you, Nair. Nothing worth achieving is ever easy, Kev. You should know this yourself. You struggled hard on Aruvis and passed many trials to get to where you are. Keep working at it. Keep bettering yourself, and you will find the rewards well worth it. Hmm. 
I broke off, about to say something I thought was clever but was actually dumb. Jabir was likely right. I didn't want to admit it, but I halfway did like the idea of working for all this, of bettering myself. Still, deep in my mind there was that oddness, that horrible feeling that there was a part of me I was not aware of, that held terrible, or wonderful, secrets within. I sat upon the rock, letting the simulated wind caress my skin. The experience just as real as the real thing. And I thought of those lifetimes. They all felt like my memories. Like I had personally lived them. More than just those vivid moments I had actually seen during my trance state. In two of those lives I had been female. Women. I had a memory of giving birth to children. Of having feminine parts that did feminine things. I realized that I should have been more shocked at this fact than I actually was. In truth, even back on Aruvis, I had never truly identified as a man. I had acknowledged my supposed gender, sure. Dressed like men dressed. Did some of the things that men did. But I didn't think any of it actually mattered to me in a deeper sense. It was just me. Just Kef, not some gender. And how much did gender really matter out here among the awake, anyway? From what I gathered, the Nair didn't even have babies anymore. I wasn't even certain that all of them had genders. Give me a thousand years, I thought, and maybe I'd drop the concept myself. It will take time to fully integrate those identities into your personality, continued Jabir. But gradually, those people and their characteristics will become a part of you, influencing your thoughts, your feelings, your behavior. As well, their skills will be at your disposal. But if I'm all those people too, am I really Kef? Really me? How come this personality is in charge right now and not one of the others? Ah, the eternal question of self-identity. I admit, it may be a tricky topic indeed, for one just raised from a farm world, where people think they're just one person, with a name, a gender, a job, beliefs. But out here among the greater galaxy, identity can be a bit more fluid. Given enough time, thoughts change. Bodies change. Names even change. A wise being once taught me that the very essence of reality is change. I shall say this, Initiate, continued Jabir, uncoiling his tail from the tree trunk and springing onto his feet. You can still be Kef. Still be your thoughts, your past, your sense of self. But out here, you don't have to be. You could be the others too, if you choose to. You could be all of them, or none of them. But if you identify with anything, dear initiate, mayhaps it is best to identify with that which does not change. What's that? Ha! As if I would straightly tell you that. There are lessons one must learn by themselves. The reptilian grinned his toothy maw at me and flipped his tail playfully. Hmm, more nigh our vagary, I said hefting myself onto my feet and giving Jabir a matching grin. Anyway, what's the plan? We done here? For now, he answered. While your training is going well, there is more practice required before you begin your next mission. Next mission, eh? Yes, the word is in. The plan is being finalized. We are going back to Aruvis.
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Space God Memoirs. Space God is written, performed, and produced by A.M. Arctos. Original musical score by Alpha Colors. Various sound effects created by Industrial Strength Records Incorporated. Please support this podcast by following, rating, and sharing on your favorite social media site. For further info on Space God, its creator, and various other opinions, musings, and thoughts, go to www.spacegodmemoirs.com or follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. If you enjoyed the Space God Memoirs, please consider supporting us by becoming a patron. Check out the Patreon link in our description to learn more.